Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. That was a little wild sounding. Okay. Um, my name is Liz. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life Community Church. And so we're so glad that you're here in the parking lot online in person. I know that it's a, it's a wild weather out there today. So actually, I'm kind of glad that it finally turned to snow instead of the rain. Cold rain is like, ooh. <laughs> I do not like that. Um, so anyways, if you are here, you can join us on our Facebook page. We like to kind of have you go on Facebook, and then you can uh, comment as you're in person here um, during the teaching. So that's kind of fun, a way that you can engage with people that are in the parking lot or online. So you can go to Life Community Church of Central Illinois, our page, and join the live feed. Just make sure your video is all the way down so you don't hear it twice, um, your video volume. So if you are on our Facebook page or online, I have a question for you to post about right away. You can um, put in an adjective that you would use to describe Jesus. So what's an adjective that you would use to describe Jesus? You can um, go ahead and post that as we get started. So we've been reflecting on the Lord's Prayer um, and this is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when his disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. He gives them this model prayer. Um, and so we have been meditating so far on the opening phrases. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Or sometimes it's hallowed be your name. And... <clears throat> That kind of opening phrase is like this invocation. It's kind of um, just this opening to a prayer that says, this is who God is, and this is who he is to us. And so now we are moving on from that phrase to the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you can find that in Matthew 6. 9 through 13. So that's where we will be this morning. So uh, some, some people are saying an adjective to describe Jesus, that Jesus is almighty. He is love. Yeah, I would say for sure. He is, when I think of Jesus, I always think of him as very loving, right? We always talk about Jesus being loving. Um, but one, one adjective that has been brought to mind when thinking about the Lord's Prayer, is have you ever thought of Jesus as brilliant? Do you ever think about just the intelligence of Jesus and how brilliant he is when he teaches us in Scripture? Um, I don't always reflect on that part that, of Jesus, right? I think about his love, his kindness, his passion, um, those kinds of things. But the Lord's Prayer is a brilliant prayer. He, he's brilliant. You know, Jesus always, um, depending on his audience, he finds just the right parable and just the right story and just the right truth and weaves it together to not just spoon-feed people the answer, but to just to kind of leave them with like this perplexing thought, like, huh, 
and you walk away and you get to chew on what Jesus says forever, you know? He doesn't just give you simple, easy answers. And there's brilliance in this prayer where it's a simple prayer, right? It doesn't go on and on forever. It's pretty simple. Um, but yet it has this brilliant progression in it. It's, it has an expanse from the most important thing all the way down to our needs and our daily life with him. And how, how can he cover so much in such a compact prayer? It is um, just a brilliant thing that he gave us. So there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. It's really like a petitionary prayer. Petition meaning that um, we're requesting things from God. We're asking him uh, for things. Like a parent would a child. We're asking, God, would you act? Would you do something here? And there is uh, two petitions that we're going to talk about today. One of them was from last week. Uh, the, The request for God's name to be kept holy. That's a petition that we're asking, God, would your name be held in the highest regard above all other names? And these next two petitions, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, are focused on God's kingdom advancing. And even the petitions are laid out in a value-based way that The first three are, God, you are of supreme importance in our lives. You are the center. And then, as we will continue on in the following weeks, the next three petitions um, move on to personal needs and personal requests. But they're lived out in a communal context. So there's a progression happening in this prayer that we should take notice of and use as our model of prayer. So your kingdom come. It's like an invitation. Would your kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven? And I think of kind of like asking a friend to to come over and and help me with something, you know? Um, And maybe I want something to be similar at my house like it is at theirs because I really admire something, uh, a gift that they have or a talent they have, and I want them to come help me with something. Um, Specifically, I think of, we have a lot of gardeners in our midst in this church, and I might be asking one of you come spring, (laughs) please come help do my flower beds like yours, okay? Because I don't have anything in the front of my house. My flower beds are empty. Um, and I am not a skilled gardener. And so I might need some help on knowing, okay, what plants do I plant here? You know, what shrubbery do I buy? What, uh, what do I buy? So you can go ahead and tell me if you have some suggestions um, about what I should purchase in the spring. And then I'll be coming and asking for your help to also help design it maybe and help plant it um, because I know that that's even done a certain way that I don't know how to do. Um, so I imagine that invitation in this prayer where 
we're not asking God to come help, you know, plant our garden in front of our house, but we are asking him to cultivate our hearts and our lives to be like him, to reflect his likeness and his glory. That's what we're asking for in this petitionary prayer. So then what is, what's the kingdom? If we're not asking for a garden, but we're asking for the kingdom to come, what is a kingdom? You know, this isn't always something that we have uh, an immediate definition for because we don't have kingdoms in the United States, right? It's not how we're organized. So sometimes that phrase can be kind of fuzzy for us. So a kingdom is uh, a place where a king or queen actively rules and reigns. So a king or queen is somebody who has authority within that kingdom. And that kingdom is where that king or queen reigns. So when we're talking about, oh, the kingdom of God, your kingdom come, we're talking about God having authority over all the heavens and all the earth, and we're asking for his rule and reign to be made known. That he has authority over all visible and invisible things. His kingdom isn't a place. It isn't a specific place here on earth, right? It's, it's everywhere. It's not limited to a physical place. But God's kingdom is this spiritual authority in our hearts and our lives. Wherever we choose to follow God, that's where his kingdom is. It's about his authority in our lives. Now, the Pharisees are this Jewish sect in Scripture that we read about, and they studied and followed the law very closely. Okay? They, um, and they were anticipating the kingdom of God. Right? This was a theological reality for them that they um, were praying for and hoping for and anticipating all of their lives. And they had a worldview that God was the one true king and that he was the creator of the world, just like we believe. And they read the prophets, like Isaiah in Scripture, where Isaiah promised that that God as king would one day express his rule fully on earth through his anointed one, that it was going to happen, and that God's people, when that happened, would finally be delivered from their oppressors, and they would come home from this long exile that they had experienced. And the world would be set right again, just like it was in the Garden of Eden. They were anticipating God to rule with justice, and love, and mercy. And so they bring this up with Jesus. Since he's claiming to be who he is, they're like, okay, we have to ask you this. We have to get this straight. So we see it in Luke 17, 20 through 21. It says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And brilliant Jesus, this is what he says back to them. He says, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. 
you won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Or in, in my footnotes, um, in the NLT, the, the New Living Translation, it says, in your grasp. So basically, like, the kingdom of God is right here among you, Pharisees, and if you want, you can grab onto it, you can seize it, and hold onto it firmly. It's available to you right now. Now that's perplexing. They probably, they didn't get spoon-fed an answer right there. That was confusing. And I, I would imagine if I was a Pharisee, I'd probably be a little frustrated at his answer. I'd be mad. Because this is what we, they were hoping for and expecting. They had devoted their lives to this anticipation. And they were hoping that it would be some kind of cosmic sign, that it would be overwhelming and you wouldn't be able, you, you would, um, it would be obvious, Right? And they didn't want to miss it. So they're, they're pressing in on Jesus. When is the kingdom of God coming? They persevered for this kingdom of God. They were hoping and longing for it. They were hoping that God's king would come and overthrow the earthly kingdom and set up his rule and reign. And instead, Jesus points them to their own hearts. And that's a much harder place to look. And in fact, he's saying the kingdom of God has come. The justice and mercy and love that you were hoping for has come. Yes, God is the king, and he has come to set the oppressed free. Yes, from, he's come to set you free from exile. Your long, uh, you know, your long journey in death and darkness is over. The kingdom of God is among you. And that, that was perplexing to them. Because Jesus does say that in this, if you go on in this passage, he talks about the second coming of Jesus is going to come in that cosmic way that they're expecting. It is, every single person is going to know that Jesus is coming. It's going to be obvious. But right now, this first coming of the kingdom is going to be a quiet coming that is only going to be recognized in the change of our hearts and lives. And that is harder. That is harder to pursue and go after. But the kingdom of God has been initiated by Jesus coming to earth. It's in the person of Jesus. And God's given Jesus all authority to reign on heaven and earth. And then he gives us his kingdom by giving us himself. And then that kingdom is built in and through us as our hearts and lives align with him. And that's the essence of this petitionary prayer right here, these phrases. God, we want to follow you. We want our hearts and lives to be like you. That's the ultimate goal of our Christian life, that we would know Jesus and that we would become like him. And then we would share the good things of Jesus with others around us. Uh, Rich Nathan, he's a vineyard pastor in Columbus, Ohio. This is what he says about the kingdom. He says, "In in the first stage, God's will doesn't replace every other will. 
in the first stage of the kingdom coming into the world, God's will is done, but also the will of sinful human beings and the will of Satan. Now, in the second stage of the coming of the kingdom, when Christ returns in full, there will be only one will done on earth, the will of God. But right now, during this era, God's will doesn't always win the day. God's will can be resisted. God's will can be ignored. So we're asking God's kingdom to come. We're asking his will to be done on earth like it is in heaven. And this prayer, not only is it asking God's kingdom to come, but it's also a prayer of surrendering our own will to his will. Because right now we have two parallel tracks going on in life. The will of God and the will of sin and the will of Satan. And there's a diagram I want us to look at briefly here to kind of just put it in perspective. So <clears throat> the present evil age, this is what's happening now and will continue until Jesus comes the second time. Now, this was introduced in Genesis 3 with the fall of mankind, um, where sin and brokenness and pain entered to, in our world, the present evil age. And this will continue. But when Jesus came to earth, he brought the, the future age now. So the kingdom of God that we're going to live in forever and ever and ever with God has already started now. It has been initiated now with the coming of Jesus. So it's like we get to feast on the blessings of the future age now. It's like we're feasting on appetizers. We don't have it in full, but it's coming. And not everything works out to the will of God but so much does. So there's these two parallel tracks where we're asking the kingdom of God to keep coming down and invading our present reality. That's what this prayer is about. God, would your will come like it is in heaven? What you want would you bring it about on earth? We're requesting God to bring us into the right track of our hearts and our lives. It's a petition that takes the surrendering of our will to channel this kingdom of God life. But, you know, God respects our free will. He always has. Because our free will is really at the core of who we are as individuals, right? It's our personhood, this, this, um, this will to choose our capacity to think and dwell and act, that gives us dignity and value. So he doesn't force his will on us. He waits for our surrender. And we are made in his image, so we have it within us to reflect God's goodness and his likeness here on earth. But we also have it in us to be on this track of the present evil age. Where we, instead of asking the question like, God, what good can I do with you in this world? It's, how can I get my way? 
You know, I see that in my children all the time, right? The battle of the wills. How long can we <laughs> wait it out? Um, but, but God is looking to move his kingdom in us when our hearts are asking for it. He wants us to ask. He delights in our asking. Um, C.H. Spurgeon, he's a, a, an old pastor and author from the 1800s, and he says this, Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. So very simply, this prayer is asking for God's will to be expressed as if Jesus was in charge. What would this situation be like if Jesus was in charge? What would our character be like if Jesus was fully in charge? And they're risky prayers. This is a risky prayer to pray, this part of the, the Lord's Prayer. It's not easy because often we want, the, we want God's blessing while we're just doing our own will. God, would you just bless this? Would you just take care of this situation? Would you just fix this while I go over here and do what I want? What makes me happy? I'm just going to go do my own will. I'm just going to do my own thing. But just bless this and take care of this and do this for me. But to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a surrendering of what God wants and not our own will. You know, when um, Dan and I uh, decided to move to Louisiana, Baton Rouge, over six years ago, it was a progression of surrendering my own will. We, we wanted to move there, but I didn't know anything about the South. It was so far from where I grew up in Illinois, and um, that when I told our friends and people that we were working with that we had chosen to move to Louisiana, I couldn't speak the word Louisiana without bursting into tears. I was like, yeah, we chose to move to Louisiana, you know. Um, because intellectually, I wanted God's will, but my heart had to progress and uh, catch up with that surrendering of my will. Because I didn't know God's plan and purpose. It wasn't like uh, a clear roadmap. When is it ever a clear roadmap? And so even the first year that we lived there, I remember just being like, God, why are we here? What are we doing? You know, lots of question and back and forth and wrestling. You know, I want these things, God, but what do you want? And why isn't this happening? And that, that progression of my, my heart was reluctant at first. But, you know... Of course, as it unfolds, God has these bigger plans than we can ask or imagine. And when we moved back here to Illinois um, in August, I couldn't stop crying because of the goodness of God in our lives during those last six years. He did more than I could ask or imagine. And he's going to do it all over again, which I love. It's like 
I'm on this path and journey that God has for me. You just have to keep moving forward on it. Um, God really desires to build his kingdom with us and through us. He uses us. He wants us to ask for it. And this prayer is an orientation to that. When I think of praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I imagine saying something like this. I invite your authority into my life, Jesus. I want to live in your spiritual kingdom and not this world's kingdom. My loyalty is to you, Jesus. I surrender myself to you, and I ask that your desires would live in my heart. And I pray that I would have the eyes to see your kingdom working in each day. It's a daily working. And God, I pray that I can join you in that work, and that I can surrender my will to love my children, to, to love my husband, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. It's the daily, it's, it starts with you, and then it moves to your family and your work and your church. It's like those concentric circles, right? You can kind of imagine it in your mind. That's how he's working. That's how he's bringing his kingdom. And, you know, Jesus actually prays like this too which is part of his brilliance, right? He doesn't just give us this model prayer, but he prays it too. And we've referenced this um, maybe last week or the week before, but in Luke 22, 42 through 43, he says he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying before he goes to the cross. And he knows the suffering that's about to take place. He knows uh, the betrayal that's about to take place. And he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. He is wrestling with his humanity here. He has a will to not go forward with suffering and betrayal like any of us would. And yet, he says, not my will be done but yours. And, and what, what, what strikes me so much about this picture is that the Father did not answer yes to this prayer for Jesus. He didn't say, yes, I'll take it away. He tells Jesus no so that he could tell us yes, right? He gives us the salvation and the victory by saying no to his own son in the midst of the most tumultuous moment he tells him no my will is this it is the cross it is the suffering and Jesus does it so that we could have the fullness that God has for us it's so striking so this prayer as we close is like a child asking a parent for the kingdom to come, invade our lives, make things right, bring restoration, healing, equip us, Lord, provide for us, make all things 
right and new like you're going to forever and ever. And, and do it with us, starting with us, with our desires and our character and our will to be formed like yours. That's where it starts, this surrendered life. And then God does the work in and through us. We lay down our own kingdoms and invest in the kingdom and the good plans of God. I was listening to this song a lot that came on my Spotify playlist this week. And this is a, just a condensed lyric um, that I'm going to read to you. It says, Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do. I will make room for you. Making room for the kingdom in our life. So some, some quick uh, practical tips for you this week. Go and meditate on that passage. I only read like two verses, but you can meditate and picture Jesus in the garden, struggling with his humanity, praying this prayer and being honest before the Father. And in what area of your life do you find it hard to pray, not my will, but yours be done? It's good to be honest with God and with ourselves in our, in our own struggle of our own will. Got to start there. And in what ways do you desire to see the kingdom come? What situations, relationships, and needs? You know, this, this week I was thinking, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this section, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in those co concentric circles, thinking about, okay, how does that start with me? What, what situations, what character things, what things in me? Then go to my family, then work, if that's applicable, church, community, nation, world, you can kind of just take that prayer and apply it wherever you see yourself in those different rings that you need the kingdom to come and you want God to break through. So use those um, as thoughts this week as well as if you sign up on our weekly email, we have uh, five days of devotions that go along with this specific portion of the prayer. So sign up for that on our website. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.